What's up, everyone? We are back with part B of our off-season breakdown. In this episode, we are going to break down the position players for the New York Yankees in 2023, uh, look at some potential future signings or re-signings. We're going to talk about what we would do if we were the GM and what we think Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner might do. Uh, we have a really fun episode for you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Ahí va. Por el desfile. Olvídala. Esa bola cae en la, en la calle. Esa se va. Se va. Se fue. And we're back. As we move toward our first base conversation. Luckily for us, Anthony Rizzo decided that he wanted to remain a Yankee, signing a two-year, $40 million contract with a third-year option with a $6 million buyout. Uh, I got to say, guys, incredible deal for not only Rizzo, but for the Yankees. This was, uh, I think, almost as perfect as it can get. Loved Every part of this deal, I love that Rizzo chose to be a Yankee very early in the offseason. We we plugged a huge hole very early on. It was there was a lot of concern. We uh, there were rumors around him it was circulating with Houston, and that's probably the last thing that we wanted to hear or see. Um, Enrique, I'll start with you. What did you think of the Anthony Rizzo signing, um, and what do you think this means for the Yankees moving forward? I mean, let's start with the obvious and exactly what you just said. This is a huge win for the Yankees to keep him away from Houston. It would have been the rich getting richer. And the last thing we needed was them getting stronger. So number one, big win for the Yankees and Yankee fans that he did not go to Houston. Thank goodness for that. And and a big win for the Yankees overall that he decided to be a team player. Like you said, sign early on in the process, not drag it out. And let's be honest, boys, he signed for a nice team-friendly deal. He could have gotten more. He he got what, like a maybe a million-dollar raise? Yeah, so, I mean, come on, man. Like, what more could you ask for? Like, the guy is basically telling the Yankees and Yankee fans that not only does he want to be a Yankee, but that he's not trying to slow down the process because he wants his best bud back. And the longer he dragged it out, the less of a chance his best bud was going to be playing with him. So he's like, you know what? Let me sign early. Let me sign for the most team-friendly deal possible so my best buddy, my homeboy, my dude Aaron Judge could get his. And I give him so much props for that because in today's day and age with, with professional sports boys we've seen so many athletes be selfish and look to get theirs and not think about their teammates you know and not think about the overall team picture and the team getting better Anthony Rizzo clearly wasn't one of those guys in this situation so I'm very happy about this deal I would I agree with you Enrique. the thing about the Rizzo deal is that some some players value the peace of minds more than others to a degree they're waiting for the perfect deal. They're waiting for the perfect contract. Some people just want to get situated. And, you know, before the holidays, he just wants to get this out of the way, not let it drag out, know that he's going to be in New York during the season. Obviously, he lives down here in South Florida uh, during the offseason. You know, it just, just kind of get that out of the way because he has a family and he wants to not let that linger for too long. So Rizzo values that, obviously. And, and going back to the Yankees, was the easy approach. You know, they wanted him back. He wanted to come back. Why not just get the deal done as quickly as possible? And when it comes to overall the contract, the structure is very interesting to me. Is that it was a it was a one million dollar per year raise, sure, but it's still an extra about six million guaranteed. So when you when you add the guaranteed money there, it actually makes it makes it interesting with that buyout. The buyout money. The $6 million buyout money does not hinder the current salary cap space, not space, but the, the current salary structure for this coming season. Yes, they gave him a million dollar raise on a per year on a per year level. But since the $6 million buyout doesn't affect these next two seasons, 
it kind of makes you wonder how much they're looking into signing new players, how many new players, because now you have a little bit of a window where, you know, he's factored in and now there might be room for more. So the structure in general just is very interesting to me that it leaves room for more signings. Now, I like the fact that how Steinbrenner said that the judge contract has nothing to do with the rest of the offseason. They obviously want him back. They've had conversations already. There's rumors that there's been an offer already. So the fact that they are doing this signing early and the fact that you hear the names, obviously we're just hearing rumors, but the fact that you know they're going to be in on other people is very exciting to us because it goes to show that they have not just stayed silent and they're not paying attention to what they're hearing on Yankee Twitter or even in the stadium. Just being at the stadium, you hear you hear things. So the fact that they're actually listening to the fans goes to show that the that the fans really push forward this narrative that what they have is not enough. They can't just run it back and they have to actually improve the team other than judge. 100% agree. Um, and by the way, it's not just a rumor. Brian Cashman confirmed it, that they already made an offer to Aaron judge. So now it's just a waiting game to see if he accepts it. But um. But yeah, I mean, uh, Hal Steinbrenner said it. I I believe his quote was, we have enough money not only to sign Aaron Judge, but to sign anybody else that it takes to win a championship, something along those lines. So, I mean, that's beautiful. That's music to your ears if you're a Yankee fan. You know what I'm saying? Um, Although with me, I don't know about you guys, but with me, I take those words with a grain of salt because we've heard that from Hal Steinbrenner before. We've seen and heard this same song and dance so many times that it's like, what's to lead us to believe that this offseason, you know, he's really for real about it and it's not just lip service. You know what I'm saying? It remains to be seen. But um, as you said, Alex, the Rizzo contract definitely lends credence to that statement by Hal Steinbrenner that he's going to have room to operate and maneuver to his liking. And getting back to Rizzo, I mean, I'm going to go back to this new, the new rules for 2023 are going to have a huge effect on free agency. And Rizzo is going to be one of those guys that's going to benefit from these new rules. You're getting rid of the shift. So naturally, when the shift gone, you are going to have a player who hit but around 225 this season to all of a sudden, in all likelihood, be a 250, 260 hitter right away because the shift is gone. So that changes the overall projections, numbers, analytics. Again, the rule changes are going to are just going to drastically change the value of a lot of these players. It's going to really affect contracts. Lefty batters, especially lefty batters. And to a degree, some of these right-handed batters too. Since the analytics are going to be so skewed to these new rule changes, you're going to see contracts pretty much go accordingly to what's going to be projected from them. The thing about Rizzo, 32 years old, you know, great leader, great personality for the Yankees, perfect fit for the Yankees. Now, now that you take away the shift, will he just go to a different level as a player? That remains to be seen yeah absolutely uh as we move towards second base is glaber your second baseman next year is he because if he's your second baseman then you got to figure out what to do with dj again and dj's then going to get tied up at third base with donaldson and you got now three kids ready to go two of them ready to go one's basically ready to go with Volpe, Peraza, and Cabrera. Now you got one, two, three, four, five, six guys for three positions. You got to figure out what you're going to do with that. They all can't be Yankees. Oh, seven guys, because IKF. You got to figure out what to do with these guys now. And someone's someone can't be on the team. Really, two guys can't be on the team right away, but Volpe's probably one of them because he's going to need more time to mature in AAA. But you got to figure out, and that's why uh, me and Alex have been saying this, is I, I, I don't see Glaber being on the team. 
because you you have Peraza ready. You have Cabrera ready to really take that step into being a starter. You know, Peraza can hit. He's a great hitter. And he could play he could play second base shortstop pretty well from what I've seen. Cabrera could play any position. He has one great uh defensive run save just in playing in right field, a position he played three times in his entire life before. You know, he's great. He could play anywhere. That's awesome. But you really want him to play his natural position. So going into the second base sort of shortstop conversation. So Enrique, I'll start with you. With the five names of DJ, uh Oswald. Oswaldo, IKF, and Gleyber Torres. Who are the two guys out of those five that you feel confident in for the middle of the diamond? What's something that you would do if you're the GM of the Yankees? This is tough. This is really tough because you got a guy sitting out there in, in free agency named Trey Turner that a lot of Yankee fans want too. But again, it's it's the same thing we talked about before. With, with the catcher position. If you sign them, you're creating an even bigger logjam. Same thing if you go after the sweetheart everybody wanted last year, Carlos Correa. I think, and I truly feel passionate about this, I feel like the Yankees stay in-house here. Um, I feel like um, you're going to see in some variety kind of something similar to what you saw last year to start the year where you have Peraza coming off the bench. You're going to have Cabrera playing no matter what as, you know, a Ben Zobrist utility role where you'll see him everywhere. Even if it's not his natural position, you might see him left field, right field, you know, second base, shortstop, whatever. You might see him all over the place. I like I said previously, when we talked about first base, I feel like DJ needs to be your starting second baseman. He is your clear-cut second baseman. He is the clear-cut best option defensively you have at second base. For goodness sakes, he just won a gold glove. You know what I'm saying? I feel like that needs to be the variation you go with, which obviously puts me to my next point where I agree with both of you. I feel like Glaber Torres has basically no place on this roster, at least in a starting role. You know what I'm saying? Because he has no other position he can play. We've seen that he, he can't play shortstop. Like that's, that was an atrocity. We could never see that again. You mentioned five guys, Sean. What happens if, if Volpe does get brought up somewhere along the line in a month or two into the season or or halfway through the season, then you really got a log jam and you got to play this kid after all the hype and all the things we've heard about him and how spectacular he is and how he's our future. If that's the case, you got to play him. You can't do him the way you're doing Peraza and have him on the bench. Maybe the first couple of games, sure. But if he's really the future and he's really as good as you claim he is and you've been feeding us fans and everybody who will listen that he is if he's that good you need to give him every single chance you can give him to play like he needs to be starting as many games as possible so you're gonna have a real problem once this kid gets called up so having said that man anything short of of signing like i said a Trey turner or carlos correa you i don't see the yankees even touching second base or shortstop because of this log jam we have. Unless, like y'all said, unless there's a trade or two that's done before the season. Maybe a Glaber trade. Who knows? We'll see. I mean, Glaber has to be off of this team. Because if it were up to if it were up to me, me put on my GM hat here. My GM says my GM hat says I don't want IKF on this team. I don't want Glaber on this team. Um, I want those kids. I want to, I want those kids. And it's selfish to say that I want those kids because those kids need to play. And the thing about those kids is that none of them can be riding on the bench at any point during the season. They can't. Absolutely not. So that's my suggest. My thing is, I know IKF will be on this team, but he can ride on the bench. He can be our utility guy. He can go ahead and replace... <laughs> 
Marwin all you want. No, it's true. I mean, he can play first. He can play third. He can play no, short. He can play, second. he can play everywhere. But that's that, why I didn't even dude. mention him, Alex. I'm, I'm sorry right. to interrupt you, but that's why I didn't yeah. even mention him because he's an afterthought as far as I'm concerned. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, I mean, in the playoffs, it, they showed that he is not part of this this team's plans as far as an impact player goes. He got benched in the ALCS. Period. So when when you bench your shortstop for the pretty much the entirety of the season, that just sends the message that he is not in line to start next season. He's just not. So now I want those kids, sure, but if if it's not those kids then what has to happen is that if you're going to sign somebody, great. Sign your Turner, sign your Correas, whoever you want. But now you got to package those kids out of town. You need to trade those kids. They need to play in the majors. And if they're not going to play with you, they're just going to rot. They're going to lose value and they're going to get angry. You're going to have Miguel Andujar over again. And that's really what's going to happen. That's really what will happen there. They'll just, they'll just slowly deteriorate within your organization. The Yankees can the Yankees really need to do a lot of soul searching in the way that they handle their prospects. They really, really do. They are probably one of the worst teams in the way that they handle prospects. They either wait too long or you bring them up when they're just not ready. And when you do bring them up, you treat them like crap. As soon as Peraza got brought up, he should have been playing every single day. But no, we had this little game with IKF and IKF. There's all sit him for three games. How's he gonna get a be- How's he gonna get better? He needs to play all the time. So they are horrendous at managing prospects. They just they're just horrible. So unless they do some soul searching, unless they get that straightened out, I really don't know where they're gonna go with this. But if they if they go ahead and sign a Turner Correa or whoever, you got to package those kids out. But regardless of what they decide to do, go with the youth or sign somebody, Glaber cannot be on this team because DJ needs to play every day. If we go and, if, and I swear, I go back to this. If they pull this crap that they did in the beginning of last season, oh, we got all these guys and everybody's going to play six days out of the week in different positions. Shut up. Just save it. Save it because did the Astros do that? No. And they're World Series champions. Take the freaking blueprint. They have a second baseman. They have their shortstop. They have their third baseman. Stop moving guys around. Yeah, you don't don't try to reinvent the freaking wheel. It works perfectly fine. Have a player for each position, have a utility player, and move on with your life. I just want to make one thing clear as well. Um IKF got renewed for a one year six million dollar contract. That does not mean that he will be on this team next year. I know Yankee Twitter is all over this saying. How could the Yankees sign him back? He was terrible. He was one of the worst shortstops. Yes, most of that is all true. But the Yankees last year signed Gary Sanchez to almost the exact same deal right before we went into the lockout. And look what happened. You know, we ended up trading him to the Minnesota Twins. So it's just something you have to do. Would you let him go and leave for nothing? Or would you take him back and in case... You can't get the big free agents, or you can't find a way to trade him. At least you have someone in a utility role or even a bench role. Because, honestly, I don't know if I can put my faith in the Yankees that they're going to do all the right things. But it's better to have a bat than to not have one. And IKF has a good bat. He just can't play the field. So I don't mind him being a bench role or a utility role where he could still hit 270 and be a contact guy in times where we desperately need it. But regardless, speaking about Glaber Torres, I think Glaber's got to go. And I, I and I have nothing against Glaber Torres, honestly. I, I, I like him. I, I didn't like him last year. I did want him to get traded because of the two terrible years he was having. But they kept him, and it scared me because exactly like Alex said, the Yankees will send them – send these kids in when they're not ready or we'll hold on to them way too long. How many times are we going to keep seeing it? You could look at people like Esteban Foreal as an example, as a guy who constantly in and out on the team, off the team. This guy was was the number one prospect three years ago. He was the guy for us. He was supposed to be Hicks replacement. He was supposed to be the guy that we depend on when Jason Dominguez is ready. 
He was the guy. And look at him now. We we don't want him on pinstripe. Every time it comes up, can't hit the ball. And granted, that's not even his fault necessarily because of how little of an opportunity comes. We call him up for 15 days with an injury. He plays maybe two games with five at-bats, and then he's back down. And then he does a great job in AAA. You can look at Miguel Andujar, who was so glad to become a pirate that he changed his number, pretended like he never was part of the team. Clint Frazier, nowhere to be found on any organization. There, we just hold on to these guys that we trade and think are going to be the next best thing, and look what they turned into. You know, like, yes, I, I get it. New York media, the New York fans, they're pretty ruthless and they're quick triggered. So, you know, we got lucky with someone like uh, Glaber Torres and he was great for a good amount of the year. I think, you know, the the 2018 baseball was uh, a little juiced up, so it made it a little easier for him and his 38 home runs to happen. But I think he had a great rebound year. But I'd rather give it to a 21-year-old than what we know is Glaber Torres. And if you hold on to Glaber Torres now, his stock's going to go down so heavily. Because I think Glaber Torres would be the starter from the start, but you'll see Peraza slowly creep into taking his job. DJ Omeo slowly creep into taking his job. And then what? Then we're trading Glaber for nothing? Because I don't see Glaber on the 2024 team. So it, it doesn't make any sense to have him on the 2023 team when you got two 21-year-old kids just waiting for an opportunity. And when they've gotten the opportunity, they've been great. And you got DJ LeMay who's going to come back, and he needs to be every day. Enough with the moving around and the, oh, like like Alex said, the everyone's going to play every six, you know, six days out of the week. Enough with that crap. Like Just like Alex said, I hated when they said it last year that it has never worked for any team ever. So why would you think it's going to work for you? That's the part that upsets me. The Yankees always come up with this little – well, we got, you know, like a trick in our sleeve that no one's ever done before. Never works. Stop. The one We've had one World Series in, since 2000, and that was 2009. We went out and bought everyone to go get it. But everything the Yankees have done in-house hasn't worked for 20 years. So whatever you're thinking about doing, let's, let's do something where we're relying on these kids, these 21-year-old kids. I'm not saying to throw... Oswald and Oswaldo as the starting second baseman and shortstop day one, you know, maybe I don't know if they're ready. I would love to have someone like Trey Turner or Carlos Correa. Trey Turner is an unbelievable talent that I'd love to have contact hitter steals bases. He's proven it his entire career. He's one of the best shortstops in baseball. Are the Yankees going to pass on two consecutive off seasons with one of the best shortstop classes out there in free agency? Are they really going to pass up again? Probably because they've passed on so many top free agents over the last five years. So if I'm thinking realistically, I think the Yankees and what I would do, because I have to think if, if I had Hal Steinbrenner, you know, as my boss, I'm going to have to stay in house. And I think Glaber's the first to go. And I think the Glaber deal with Pablo Lopez is a perfect start. You get five guys as your starting rotation of that caliber. You guys could, that's great. And then you build that bullpen and then you can work with your pieces to get in judge Rizzo and maybe a couple other guys. That's a good team. I would trust the pitching on that team more than the hitting. So it's, it's, it's a lot to be seen. I have no idea. And this is exactly what I was saying at the beginning of the episode. I have no idea where they're going to go. And, you know, I, I do think so though that the Yankees don't even touch the free agency class. To piggyback on what you just said. And that's a perfect segue. Brian Cashman said the Yankees are listening and engaging on multiple trade possibilities. Quote, we don't have a right fielder. No, duh. We don't have a left fielder. I'd always like to improve the pitching. Funny we started talking about pitching. Although it seems like Brian Cashman says that all the time. But here's where we go full circle with what, with this whole shortstop and second base conversation. Quote, we have some kids pushing in on the infield. So there will be, I would think, probably a lot of exciting opportunities that could play out next spring in the middle infield. Translation, they're going to bet on these kids. They're not going to sign any middle infielder. Like that quote by Brian Cashman basically tells me that they're hedging their bets on these kids. And, uh, then you add that quote to the fact they're 
listening and engaging on multiple trade possibilities. Yeah, I'm guessing a trade a trade involving Glaber Torres may be in the works. Hopefully one involving Kiner Falefa too. If 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 we're lucky as Yankee fans, you know what I'm saying? Who knows? But um yeah, man, I'm thinking, especially after reading this from Brian Cashman, I'm thinking they're hedging their bets on these kids. And look, yeah. there's nothing wrong with hedging your bets on the, on those kids. There's nothing wrong with that. But do it. Like literally put it out there. Let let us fans know, hey, there's a competition going to happen between these guys, these guys, and these guys. This is what you should expect come opening day. Guess what? We'll shut up and we'll be fine with it. How about it? We'll be excited for something like that. We would be. Well, you know, would it be enough to get Aaron Judge back? You know what? I don't care at this point. It'll it'll be exciting for us to know the direction that they're going in instead of this pussy footing thing that they just, you know, one foot in, one foot out, you know, towing the fence line. You know, that's that's just the the real thing is that, you know, we wanna we wanna hear what the plans are. And if you're gonna trade Torres, believe me, nobody's gonna care. Let's do it. If you're gonna if you're gonna give these kids a chance, we'll we'll be psyched for that because we remember the last time you did that. Sean, I think you were like like five months old. You know, <laughs> you 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 gave Jeter a shot. Let's go. You know, that's fine. No, you know we 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 remember. We know the story. Let's go. Let's do it. They, you know, I I, I know the I I remember when Robbie Cano was brought up. That thing came out of nowhere. Tony Womack sucked. Okay, we just brought up Robinson Cano. Who the heck is Robinson Cano? A stud. Let's you know. Let, let's go. <laughs> do something along those lines to excite and put some energy, some youth back into this team and stop trying to be mediocre and get to the ALDS, get to the ALCS. No, man, let's go win a freaking championship. And if it's not going to be this year because you're going to develop these guys, guess what? We'll, we'll wait for that. Us Yankee fans, we'll wait for that to actually happen because we know it will happen because we've seen it happen before. We've seen a core four get developed and you know, the fruits of that labor became a dynasty. We'll wait for that if that's if that's what you're trying to build. I think this that's why the Yankees are gonna go and do that. And I would love for them to say, I know they're not you can because you can't tell people what you're looking into and what you're not. You have to pretend like, you know, oh well, we're looking into all options, blah, blah, blah. But I would love to see the kids in the middle of the infield. Because thinking for Hal Steinbrenner, that's so much money saved. And those kids are worth less than a million, both of them. You just save so much on your middle infield if they could turn out to be what we hope them to be. And you got Volpe, who's going to be up two months after that. You got three kids right there, boom, who could take up your middle infield. That's that's the goal, right? You 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 avoid all these top free agents and top you know potential trade markets like the Juan Sotos for these kids, right? This is what it's all about, right? So you can't now avoid Juan Soto to go out and get the Trey Turners and trade Oswald Peraza and all that. You can't do that now. Doesn't make sense. You just show your you would show your hand that oh I don't want to do it, but oh I might want to do it. I don't. Okay, but you, you can't do that. So obviously the kids are the answer. And so unfortunately, yeah, it's gonna hurt seeing Xander Borgards, Carlos Correa, and Trey Turner, Dansby Swanson, all those guys sign with. Competitive teams in you know the AL or something that we're gonna have to compete with you know during the season, but if you believe in these kids that you've been hyping up for years, let's go. This is it. Just go all in now, and that leads me to my third base question with Josh Donaldson. Now, you know now if if you go with the kids, you're saving a lot of money, but now you're paying twenty five million to Josh Donaldson. I know everyone wants to say the same thing, and I, I think it, and I just know it can't happen. I wish Donaldson, Josh Donaldson could get traded. I wish there was a way to move him somewhere. Somehow, some way, get him away. And I, I, I like Josh Donaldson. I think he was a top three, top four, top five defensive third baseman in all of Major League Baseball. But $25 million, not worth it. And that that money is what holds... Steinbrenner from doing these things and getting these big names. He sees that we've, we're paying Cole, Stanton, Donaldson, and soon to be judged, probably, hopefully, all this money. We got to rely on the kids. And so I ask you guys, 
if you're the GM, I know, I know what we want to say is get you know Donaldson traded, but Alex, I'll start with you. You see Josh Donaldson on your team, third base. What would what what are you trying to do with him? Keep him on the team, or look to do something else? I mean, ideally, you don't want him on your team because you figure you're just gonna get a repeat performance of what happened last year. You can hope it was an aberration. You can hope that he finds a little bit of the the youth juice somewhere and, you know, has a more decent season. You can hope for all that stuff. Granted, you're paying him already, so whatever. I guess you might as well just give it a shot. But come, come the middle of the season when you've already paid him, he's already proven either he's worth it or he's not, they'll make a move at some point. Maybe it won't be this offseason. Let's just keep it real. Maybe it won't be this offseason, but once once the time passes and maybe he hasn't had that great of a season again, and if he's frustrating again and it's clearly showing on the field that it's affecting the team's chances of winning games and you have a better in-house alternative already on the team in all likelihood, then, yeah, he's probably on his way out at some point. But we just have to assume that he's going to come in, hopefully in better, you know, with a year under his belt and he has a better season. I'm not going to think outside the box on this on this topic simply to think that they're going to try to sign some kind of third baseman or try to play somebody else in that position. It's not going to happen. They're going to stick with him. And honestly, what else can you do? It's just it's just the reality of what's going to happen. Do you know how much of that contract you're going to have to eat in order to even entertain a trade for this guy? I mean... Bro, it, it, it's he was an automatic out last year, guys. Like it, it, it sucked, man. Like, and it sucks to see it because, like both of you mentioned earlier when we started the podcast, and we kind of touched on Josh Donaldson and that major twenty-five million dollars that we we took on in that trade with the Minnesota Twins. We weren't expecting a guy lost at the plate, man. Like you said, Alex. Just as good, if not better, than Gio defensively. But he was an automatic out. I mean, you would have to basically eat almost the majority of it. And even then, even eating salary, who's really going to say, yeah, I'll take a Josh Donaldson off your hands? What's his value right now? You know what I'm saying? So as much as we all want him gone, it's it's not happening. It, it, we're stuck with him, un unfortunately. I mean, it's so bad, bro, that I would rather see Kiner Falefa starting at third base over him. You know what I'm saying? No, you're crazy. No, you're absolutely insane. Absolutely not. No, not defensively, but <laughs> oh, okay, offensively. Okay, at least he gives okay. you. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you're going to put a lineup and you're penciling in your third baseman, I'd rather see Kiner Falefa in that spot because at least I know I'm going to get something from him offensively. You know what I'm saying? He'll be a drop-off defensively, but at least I'm getting something from him offensively. No, it's not a drop off defensively. That's just a dead duck of an arm in third base, man. I can't, can't have that. Yeah. Third base. I There's mean, no arm, I'm dude. just saying, I'd rather have it because of that. Because I know what you mean. Offense, I know what you mean. You know? And, um, but, but honestly, man, if it was up to me, if, God willing, if you could find a trade partner out there, especially going back to this conversation we had about the kids, I'd be perfectly happy with, uh, DJ at third base, to be honest with you. He showed he could do it, you know, and then that paves the way for two of those kids to occupy shortstop and second base. DJ's your third baseman. God willing, Rizzo's your first baseman. And that's it, you know, and, and it opens the door even further for Volpe when he comes up. But I could see a scenario where if that happens, you could see all three kids playing. I could see Cabrera playing left field, Volpe as your second baseman or shortstop. I believe he's a better shortstop than Peraza. Peraza at second base, Volpe as shortstop, and Cabrera at left field. And you got DJ as your third baseman. You're literally solving your issue right there that you just mentioned a little while ago, Sean, where you're saving money if you're Hal Steinbrenner. You're letting these kids play and get their feet wet and get experience under their belt. And God willing, like we've been told, you'll have your future stud penciled in every day in Anthony Volpe. 
I don't think you can have all three kids playing. Like three kids in the in that lineup is you're just asking to get whooped in that division. So I, I know I know I know what you're saying, but you can't have those three kids in in the lineup. It has to be two max, and you know where you place them and all that stuff. You know we'll see we'll see how it kind of works out. But yeah, three of them is just is just a little bit too much. Again, I I, I know they're gonna I know they're gonna go after an outfielder in all likelihood because. You know Hicks is going to be out the door. Um, you, you know, you know, obviously Cashman already said so. So again, we're just talking about just filling in these holes. I don't see uh, honestly the 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 more that we've talked that we've talked it out. I don't I don't see them spending big on anybody besides Judge and Rizzo, which is again it's just the same people we had on the team last year. But again, like I said before, if you tell us you're going to bring these kids up, give them every opportunity in the world to win the job in spring training, and we're going to go forward this way, honestly, we'll be fine with that. Even if you get whooped this year in the short term, right? Isn't it the best move? Like both of you said, and I believe Sean said it more recently, if you're going to go all in with these kids, isn't it better to take the bumps now? To get them experience and get their feet wet, and I don't think and, and I don't I think Cabrera is a starter in this league. So I don't think we can. He can be a starter. He can Hold spot on. start. He's Come not a stud. On. He's the absolute. He, he's the thirteenth prospect on the, on the team. He's not a stud. He's a good player. He is a very high quality bench I mean. player, but he is not a starter in this league. Absolutely oh. not. Bro, he showed me some things this season. I'm sorry. I know I, I'm usually with you, Alex. We're usually here, but I got to disagree with you. This kid showed me something this season. He showed he could literally play everywhere. He showed he could hit. Like, he was a better hitter than Peraza. He was you know a spark. He was a short-term spark. He is not a – he's not going to hit you 30 jacks. He's not going to drive in 100 runs. Oh, no, he's not no. Gonna, he's not going to hit 300 or 280. He's a 250 – 15 to 20 home runs, 50 RBI guy, an average player. Great defensively, but defense the defenses doesn't pay the bills in this league. I mean, bro, I could literally see I could see him. I'm right there with you about the home runs because he's not a home run hitter, but I could literally see him being a productive starter in this league. I see him as a Ben Zobris type of guy. And look how good of a career Ben Zobris has sure. had, especially there's, there's with There's nothing the wrong with being a Ben Zobris type of person, type of player. That's, that's great. But it's you already have that on your team with DJ. You already have that type of player on your team. This kid can play different spots. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with playing different spots, but he is—he's a higher quality Marwin Gonzalez. Marwin, Marwin Gonzalez was a very good player with Houston. He had 20 home runs and drove in 80 and 80 runs in 2017. Good freaking player, but good player. Okay, not a great player. Okay, so let me, so let me put this to you here. Then, if that's the case, let me put it to you. I'm gonna put you on the spot. All right. Let's just say this hypothetical that'll never happen. So we're probably just talking for no reason here. But let's just say this hypothetical does happen and Josh Donaldson does get traded. You immediately slide in DJ at third. You don't want to play three kids, right? You want to get an, a left fielder, be a free agent or a trade. And you only want to play two kids in those two middle infield spots. Who are you benching? Are you really going to tell me you'd rather bench Cabrera over Peraza? Peraza was not as good a hitter as Cabrera was. Peraza is a more dynamic bat than Cabrera will ever be. So He wasn't when, when he got called up. He didn't have the playing time. He didn't get the playing time. Like Cabrera was playing because he can play the outfield. If Peraza could play the outfield, he'd get all the playing time. That guy's a number three prospect in the team. He would have gotten all the playing time if he could play the outfield. But the reality is that the, the only reason Cabrera was in the lineup is because he could play left field. It's the only reason he was playing. So, again, you have a good player. He's a good player. He, you can't trade him for a stud. or a, you're not. It's not going to happen. So, I think Cabrera would be over the moon if he could be on this opening day roster as the fourth outfielder. And, and you know, utility type of player that can play maybe three or four times a week. He'll be over the moon for that. Or you can go ahead and trade him to a team that he can play every single day. 
but he is not a long-term solution in any position on this team. All right. Well, I'm glad that you guys uh, had some time there. <laughs> that was good because that's exactly the type of debate that Yankees Twitter is having. It's This is exactly what we're talking about. It's just such a logjam. There's so much question marks to be had. What's going to happen with Oswald or Oswaldo? What's Volpe's plan? What's going on with Glaber, DJ, all that? If to give my two cents on all that, I think I think Oswaldo is on the team next year, no doubt in my mind. I think this will be kind of a not a prove it thing, but I think he'll play almost every position there is, kind of like I always said last year, where he's a ten year younger version of Marwin. Where I think he'll get starts and I think he will be most of the time in the starting lineup. You know, six out of every seven, like they like to say, or he's in the starting lineup, but he'll be constantly moved around. He can play the outfield, whatever. And it leads to how much of an opening he'll have, but it leads to my next question with left field. You know, that's something that we saw him move toward with Ben Intendi out with an injury. Is Ben Intendi back on the team? Do the Yankees consider Ben Intendi? Do they look at him as an option? Because he struggled with us in the beginning, but then you really started to see who Ben Intendi was with the Royals. A great singles guy, you know, getting some doubles here and there. You know, he even hit like a couple jacks. You know, they were he had contact, which is what something the Yankees were trying to go after. And is he back? Because if he's back, you eliminate Oswaldo from the outfield. Because if you th- if Judge is the priority, you're going to have Judge in right. Bader's in center. Benintendi's in left. That's your starting core in, in the outfield. You're not going to change that unless they need an off day. And and you also got Stanton, who you're going to have to put in the outfield every now and then so he could you know not get hurt all the time. Who knew that that would work reverse psychology there? But it's just you're going to have to figure out what to do with Oswald, though. So... It was like what we had in the last episode. I think Glaber's going to have to you have to make a decision on Glaber. I think Glaber for someone like Pablo Lopez of that caliber is a perfect time to do it because next year his value is just going to go down again. This It went up a little bit because he had a better year, but I don't expect Glaber to do this again. So I would do that. But also now you got these three kids. These three kids in the starting lineup will never win you the AL East. Not this year. So if you're still talking about competing and being this, oh, we're, you know, we're right right there. We're this close to Houston, but, but, but you're not. But if you're pretending to be, you can't have three rookies in your starting lineup, especially guarding your middle infield. You're going to have to make a decision on one of them. And obviously Volpe is not getting traded because we wouldn't trade him for one of the, arguably the greatest trade market player you could possibly have in a decade for Juan Soto. So obviously he's the answer. So you got to make a decision. Is Oswaldo part of your long-term or is Oswald part of your long-term? And I think Oswaldo's back this year because of how much of a fan favorite he was, you know, the, the defensive run save he was, he could play any position. It was a fun time. And Oswald, you saw that he could hit when he got the opportunity, but I think Oswald's more on the way out because of the fact of how badly they treated him when he got called up. They called him out to play one of every four games. Like, if he was your number one guy, if it was Volpe, Volpe's not playing one of every four days. If that was Volpe that got called up, he's playing every night. He's the guy. You know, there's no IKF hopeful. He could turn it around. Oh, he's one of the best defensive shortstops there. IKF's out of the picture. But... You're going to have to make a decision. Is Oswald or Oswaldo? Is Glaber part of it? Those two guys got to make a decision about. And you got to make a decision about Benintendi. Are, do you want to pay, you know, 15 to 18 million a year for Benintendi to come back on a three year deal? Is that something you're willing to do along with the judge money, along with the Anthony Rizzo money? You got to make that decision as well. So that it, it is a lot to be, to, to be had. There are other players that you could go after for shorter, you know, Outfield deals, you know, bench players, and are you giving Florial a shot? That's another one. If he's not part of the solution, trade him as well. Because we've been dancing around that subject for four years. 
Either he's on the team or he's not. Enough of this. So he should be traded. Aaron Hicks needs to go. I know everyone loved to talk about what Cashman said in the postseason post season press conference about, oh, well, you know, we still believe in Aaron Hicks. And Aaron Boone said the same thing, that Aaron Hicks is going to, you know, he got hurt, but we still expect him to have a great 2023. I, I know you can't say you're trying to trade him, but he's he's as good as gone. You, you got to get rid of that guy. Enough with that. Uh, who's going to eat that? We're talking about someone eating the Donaldson deal. We need someone to eat the Aaron Hicks deal. There's still $30 million that need to go. So there's so much that we put ourselves in this, our backs against the wall. We've so we we've caused our own destruction, and now we're just we're just now feeling the effects of it for the first time. One thing before we get into the Aaron Judge conversation, um, I want to ask the both of you and Enrique. I'll start. I'll start with you on this one. Matt Carpenter had a great first half with us. Let's say. He was incredible. One of the best stories you could talk about in baseball. Basically, out of baseball, the Yankees signed him to a major league deal. We talked about it that day. Super shocked and surprised that he was even signed. And then making an immediate impact the very day he was signed, hitting a home run and starting this crazy journey of how good he was with the Yankees until the fractured foot incident. Do you see him? As a Yankee in 2023, is that something that you could see the Yankees doing to bring him back? Or do you think the Yankees should move on because they got what they, you know, ultimately needed from Carpenter? I would like to see Matt Carpenter back on the right deal. And that is the only way. Like, I don't have an affection or like, ties to him like I have to these other players that are homegrown Yankees like an Aaron Judge who we'll talk about in a bit um, but you know aside from having ties to him because he's homegrown he showed you something he showed you that his career is clearly not dead and he can provide you something I wouldn't bring him back in the corner outfield spot we clearly saw he cannot handle that, you know. No, no, he he cannot play the outfield. He, he was adequate playing it, but you could tell it's not his thing. Like it, it's he's not good in the outfield. Let's put it that way. If if you're gonna bring him back on a reasonable deal, on the right deal where it doesn't cap you from doing things elsewhere, especially doing what you need to do in signing Aaron Judge. Um, Yeah, I say why not, especially if you're going to bring him in a DH role, maybe a backup, uh, you know, second base, backup third base. He could even play a little first, so why not? If it's on the right deal, I say why not? Prove it deal, short-term, cheap proof. Yeah, I'll do it. I think I love Carpenter. I've loved him since he was with St. Louis. I think he's fantastic for a team and a clubhouse and just a great overall human being. Um, he'll he'll it's it's gonna be a one year deal, one, two, three million dollars tops. I don't see a position. There's no there's there, he doesn't play any field position at a at a good level. He's not a third baseman, he can't play second anymore, he can barely play the outfield. He can play first. You literally just have a bat on the bench that really cannot do much else. It's tough because if, in my honest opinion, no, I don't want him back because as much as I love the spark he brought, how, how sure are we that it's happening again? You know, and I think he provides a leadership role and I love that. But until we have a team set up until I see the blueprint of what we're doing, I don't think Carpenter can even be in the conversation until January, February, when we have, you know, 22 of the 26 guys we know are on the team locked up, good to go. Because there's so much, so many question marks, so much of who's on the team, who's not, 
who deserves to be, who doesn't. And yes, I think Carpenter, if he does come back, it's on a one year to 4 million at the very most that he could probably ask for. Like that's still less and less. That's what I'm saying. And and if, if, if St. Louis offers him something like that, go back home. You know, I, I don't think that's possible. I don't know if they had a good relationship to end it, but if it's there for him, take it. Cause that would be a good send off to his career. Cause it ended pretty abruptly had bad years and it, he just got washed out of baseball, had a rejuvenation with his swing in New York. And, but are we getting that for 162 next year? And even if he does come back, even if he is that way, where are you putting him? He was a third baseman and a second baseman, but the arm is nowhere to be found. He doesn't know how to play the outfield at a major league level. So that's not going to work. First baseman is probably the only thing you got. And if there's any first baseman out there, it's most likely going to be paid attention on Rizzo or DJ at first base. You almost have no role for him. And yeah, I would love to have that leadership role and whatever, but why? You know, like at that point, why? I get he's a lefty bat. I, I'm not going to be against him coming back, but if my decision, until I absolutely am sure that I have the option to get him for three to four million to fill that last 26 man, I'm good. I was very, thank you. Thank you for being a spark to this Yankee team. Thank you for him and Trevino for being fan favorites to this team. You had the Mario and Luigi t-shirts going around, but I think that's time is up. It was fun, but it's not fun when you're not winning the world series. And when it's all fun and games, but you can't win the last game of of the year, who cares? And is Carpenter going to, be that, you know, Hideki Matsui in the playoffs? Probably not. So I'm good on that unless we absolutely need that lefty bat. But he plays no position. He would be, literally be Stanton's backup for when Stanton doesn't want to play DH and he has no role in the, in the outfield. So it just doesn't work for me. That's, See, that's... I disagree with y'all a little bit. I think he still can play some second base. Third base, maybe not. I y'all reminded me, yeah, his arm wasn't the best when he when he covered third base for those few games that he played it for us. But he could play second base still. I feel like he could still do it. Okay, you but know, he's a better option about... at second base defensively than than freaking Glaber was. Come uh, on, I think Glaber was pretty good at second. I think he was terrible at short. But let's just yeah. say, let's just say he could play second base. Where would he even get the opportunity to play second base if you still as a bench have... guy? That's that's uh, where I agree. I get that, but if you still you. have DJ bouncing around, you still have Glaber probably at everyday second base. You're looking at getting Peraza time in second base and most likely Volpe in a month. Where are you really and where are you going to fit him? And you still got to put Oswaldo somewhere. So that's why I said it. it uh, uh, that's why I said only if it's a. Uh, uh, reasonable deal for the Yankees where it's a prove it deal and you know hey I'll, I'll bet on myself I'll sign for I wouldn't go three or four million I I'd go half than that I'd go the most I'd give them is two million dollars for a one-year deal one-year prove it deal and you know raise your value if he accepts that why not bro he, even let's just say even if he doesn't play any play sporadically like he did yeah, like you said, he's that clubhouse leader, you know. And but like I said, only at the right price when it comes to Carpenter. Moving forward into our outfield conversation, we obviously know that Harrison Bader is uh, our starting outfielder in 2023, and most likely Aaron Hicks will be dealt. We don't know yet what we're gonna do with you know Estevan Florial, but it seems like center field is is pretty much locked up. We obviously know the big elephant in the room and Aaron Judge, and we'll get to that. But I want to talk about left field right now and what we had. At first, we started off with Joey Gallo. Obviously, that did not work out. We made a midseason trade acquisition for Andrew Benintendi from the Kansas City Royals. And he was – he was. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I think he was good. Um, some people didn't like what he had done in the beginning and already set sail on Benintendi and still don't want him back now. I know – Technically, he hit 254 uh, as a Yankee in in his 33 games, and obviously the the injury to his hand when playing Tampa Bay. But he started off in his first nine games under 100 batting average, but then the last 25 games 
he was at a 305 clip. So he was getting the singles that we needed. He was the contact guy that we had asked for. Um, unfortunately, though, he got hurt in the Tampa series and he missed the rest of the season and postseason and in a bat we desperately needed, just like DJ LeMahieu's, and we didn't have it. And uh, I think it cost us a little bit of the Houston series. Obviously, I don't think the two of them would have made a significant difference to change the series, but you know, uh, I don't think we would have gotten swept with the full lineup, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, I'm going to come to you, Alex, first. Uh, Andrew Menatendi is also a free agent. Do you want him back in, in pinstripes in 2023 or are you looking for somebody else? I don't mind it. It's not so much to whether I want him back or not. It's just a, it's not a move that I'm very excited about. You know, we already saw what he brings to the table. He brings a good solid bat uh, where you put him in the lineup. You know, it's a little bit up for debate whether you want him hitting leadoff, whether you want him lower in the order, you know, because obviously you still want to have Judge and Rizzo and Stanton, you know, sandwiched together somehow or some way. So, you know, it's 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 not an exciting signing. It's going to be a little bit pricey. We're guessing somewhere around 50 million for three years. It's kind of the number that's being floated around for Benintendi. He's only 28. So, you know, for a three year deal, that's not bad at all. So you can take that, you know, age is not an issue here. The name that I have been hearing for a a long time connected to the Yankees um, and we should, and it might be, you know, it might be the right time to probably give him a shot because he is an impact bat is Michael Conforto took the year off, took the year off, you know, this year uh, recovering from the shoulder injury. Supposedly it's uh, it's recovered now. So he's been, he's been linked to the Yankees for a while since he was a free agent. So this might be the off season to bring him in on a one-year deal. I'm kind of guessing the Yankees don't want to dedicate too much long-term money to anybody, but then again, it's slim pickings right now in the left field market or even in the outfield market, you know, aside from Aaron judge. So that's the name to get to look out after, but if they re-sign Benintendi and they want to go that route, I don't mind it at all. Just not exciting. I'm going to piggyback off you, Alex, where even though a lot of uh, Yankee fans, did not like Andrew Benatendi as a Yankee. I liked it. Like I'm, I'm with you, Sean. I liked the versatility he gave this lineup. It was a lefty bat. It was a contact bat. It was basically, you know, he basically gave you the left-handed version of DJ LeMahieu, and you had two guys that were table setters at the top of your lineup. You know, that was the dream. That was the dream to be able to have those two either batting first and second and, you know, batting judge either third and Rizzo fourth, Giancarlo fifth, somewhere along those lines. Or maybe, you know, having one of them like down in the sixth hole, you had versatility having two contact guys there. And not to mention the defense he gave you was great. You didn't see much of a drop-off from Gallo to Benetendi. You know, if there's one thing, ladies and gentlemen, that we have to give Joey Gallo props on is that he was a great fielder. Sucked as a bat, but he was a great fielder. And you worried when you got an Andrew Benatendi to replace him. Well, how much of a drop-off are we going to get? Because we were spoiled by Gallo's defense. Guess what? The drop-off wasn't much. And you got a better bat. I personally would like him back at a reasonable rate, at a deal that works out for the Yankees especially, you know, with Judge still out there unsigned. And if not him, man, I say go out for another bat of his ilk. You know what I'm saying? Brandon Nimmo's out there. He's probably going to cost you more than Ben Attendee, but maybe he might cost you more on the annual average side of things, but maybe you can get him on a shorter-term deal. You never know. If you're going to not bring Ben Attendee back, you need to get somebody of that ilk contact guy to compliment DJ and to give you stability not to mention give you the flexibility to not have to start Giancarlo Stanton more in the outfield than you should because you know we've seen it him starting in the outfield is great for his health it's much better than when they were DHing him full-time that's for sure but he's not built to play the outfield you know for 160 some mod games he's not so you need that corner guy to give him a breather every now and then. And why not it be a guy that gives you contact and 
you know, stability. Why not? I say bring them back. Yeah, there's definitely a, a lot of a lot of options out there. You know, like you guys mentioned with with Nemo Conforto. You know, you could go to the routes of Jerks and Profar. You know, there, there's there's a bunch of guys out there that teams are talking about. You can also look at a, a big name out there right now that Yankee fans are 50-50 on, and that is the likes of Cody Bellinger and uh, an outfield spot. I, for one, am all good on that. Uh, I I feel like we kind of moved away from that with Joey Gallo deal and constant swing and miss or home run. You know, I, I do give it to Benintendi and Gallo, like you said, both gold glovers in 2021. Um, and Benintendi was an all-star in 2022. The funny thing was, was that you almost flipped it. They That's exactly what Cashman wanted. You, he built the team last year to be all defense. And you knew going into the trade deadline that he wanted to continue to have strong defense. And you got almost the same level of defense from going from Gallo to Benintendi, but you switched it from going from no contact and all power from Gallo to no power and all contact with Benintendi. So if we can get Benintendi, that'd be great. I would love to have him either at one or like Alex said, you get the top or you can have him at the bottom. You know, he's just another contact bat. You could definitely go to him. Um, so if Andrew Benatendi wants to come back on a three year to, you know, 50 to 45 million deal, um, I'm for it. But like I said, there, there are a bunch of names out there and, uh, you know, we'll see how this, how this moves along. But now talking about the man of the hour, Aaron judge. And this is the last thing I'm going to mention for this episode. We talked about Aaron judge and would he come back? And should he come back? And I said to you guys, I'd love to have Aaron Judge back. I'd love him to be retired, or Yankee captain, whatever. But if that's the only move the Yankees are going to make, then no. And it's because what is Aaron Judge going to look at? When, when Cashman calls Aaron Judge and they say, listen, Aaron, you know, we're still trying to win the World Series, this, this, and that. But nothing's changing. So do you change and go out and get the big fish so that it shows Judge that you're really trying to change? Or are you trying to stick with the formula of, oh, we're going to stick with the kids and do some B-level moves and, you know, like we always do and never win and just always fail, but we really want you and we'll pretend to be contenders and do all that. So is there's a lot at stake here. And my last question to you guys, and this is, this is just like an opinionated question, if you had to put all your money into something right here, right now, is Aaron Judge a Yankee in 2023 opening day? Enrique, I'll start with you. Absolutely, positively, yes. He needs to be. No question about it. If he's not, there's going to be a riot all over the Bronx. Like You're going to see a bunch of Yankee fans pissed the hell off. They're going to be calling radio stations, and you're, you're going to have a riot on your hands, Hal Steinbrenner. You really are like, this is your guy. Like, this is the face of your franchise. Get it done. My money says if I was a betting man, he's a Yankee. No doubt about it because it, it would hurt the value of this team and the optics of this team to not sign arguably your best homegrown Yankee since Derek Jeter. I'm sorry. It needs to get done. And I feel like it will get done. Ultimately, I think he will be a Yankee. I think he'll sign a monster monumental contract. But I'll tell you right now, it's not because it's the Yankees. And it's not because he has any kind of sentimental value toward this team. I just think it's going to be a monumental business decision. That he stay with the Yankees. He become a bigger celebrity than he already is. Because that's the, the only way that happens if you sign with an East Coast team. I think if it would, if he left it up to his heart and not business, he'd be a giant, a hundred percent. But you can tell that this guy is trying to build a brand, trying to be a trying to be a maybe not a mogul. I don't think he's going to try to be a mogul like like one of these, you know, like a LeBron or something like that. But he's going to try to build a brand, and the only way you build a brand is on the East Coast. I think he does resign with the Yankees, a big contract, and we're all going to be very happy. But it's a 100% a business decision. Because if it was with his heart, he would be a giant all day long. 
Well, that's going to be a wrap from the Hadaskina podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. For people who watch us on YouTube, on Spotify, you can always listen to us on Apple Podcasts as well. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It helps us out tremendously, guys. Thank you. We will have another episode next week as we get ready for this deep dive of free agency acquisitions for all major league teams. It's going to be a fun ride, hopefully. I really hope the Yankees prove us all wrong and they uh, make the moves that we are not expecting and for the better. From me, Enrique, Alex, thank you all. We'll see you on the next one. Go Yanks.